Sports are such a big part of all of our lives. From the big plays to the unforgettable games, they continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways. But what happens to the athletes, the warriors, and heroes of our time when the game is finally over and the sport they love and work their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them? How do they cope with the transition? How do they find purpose, reclaim their identity, and work towards a vision of the future? As a former professional athlete playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Life Beyond the Game. Today's guest is Justin Rowithling Chauffeur, I believe is his last name. It's a, it's a tongue twister. Um, but I met Justin uh, a few months ago, uh, reached out. He's got an amazing company called Own It. He works with corporate execs and teams on helping bring data-driven uh, results um, to performance and basically reaching your highest potential. And we're actually... Um, you know, in the heart collective in uh, conversations about bringing the work that he does into the community, helping support the athletes. Um, he does DNA sampling. He does, um, all sorts of assessments, um, energy assessments, leadership assessments, and, um, does HRV stuff. And he's, he has a fascinating journey. Um, you know, he did, he was an athlete. He played, uh, briefly, uh, professional hockey and, um, immediately kind of got into his real passion, which is, you know, this data driven scientific, uh, results driven, um, performance based stuff. And the cool thing about him is it's not just, you know, physical performance. It's, it's, it's how do we come, you know, bring together what it means to be human in all aspects, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually and finding balance within all those. And Justin has a a really cool story. He shares his own personal journey of transitioning from being uh, an athlete into working with athletes in that coaching dynamic and really the work that he's bringing brought to athletes, you know, as a trailblazer in this kind of new realm. I mean, he was doing it before it was even a thing. I know it's becoming a lot bigger in the sports world and just in, normal everyday life is like, how do we reach our fullest potential? And he's been doing it for a long time. And he ended up coaching, um, in the NHL for, I think he said nine years and uh, ended up getting fired, um, because of a conflict of interest is challenged his own values. And he really decided to stand up for what he believed, which I really respect the man for that. And, um, you know, what he's doing now working with uh, corporate execs and, and just the journey from transitioning kind of a couple times from athlete into this coaching role into having to figure out what to do next with this passion that he has. And he's got a very, um, he's got a lot of, uh, amazing insight. Um, he talks a lot about the eight controllables that we all can really lean on to build a foundation of, of which to work from. Uh, and I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. I hope you get a lot out of it. Um, before we dive in, I want to share uh, about the Heart Collective. For those of you that listen to this podcast and been following me, something I'm very passionate about is building community for former male professional athletes. It's why I built this podcast to continue to provide value to them. And um, the Heart Collective is my passion project and it is continuing to grow. Um, more athletes are joining, right type of athletes, guys that really want to find success, higher levels of awareness, um, you know, 
and connection and collaboration in a community setting where we can really support one another on this journey of reaching our highest potential outside of athletics. Uh, really excited about, you know, what I've built so far and where it's headed. And if you are a former pro athlete, that's really looking for community, for support, for brotherhood of guys that really understand what the experience is like, who know what it's like to push to the, to the limits and having to figure out what to do next. Um, we are here to support you um, hosting First retreat, I think by the time this goes live, my first retreat will be um, gone or already had happened. Really excited about that. And we just have a lot of retreat experiences uh, on the docket. We have an online community, an app, places to stay connected, uh, content, education, masterclasses, all these amazing uh, tools and educational stuff and opportunities for connection um, that we're provi providing through the Heart Collective. If that's something you're interested in, go check it out, theheartcollective.com, H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. And if you haven't checked out yet, my other podcast, Quantum Coffee, um, got some amazing guests coming on there. Um, and that's just a lot of fun. Uh, one of my favorite things is to discuss the unanswerable questions of the universe and what's that, what that means. And just hearing other people's perspective, especially with the day and age that we're going through and this collective shift happening. And it really is coming down. Like we talk about in this podcast, this internal journey of figuring out who you are on a deeper level. And if you are questioning the stories of reality and want to dive into some uh, conversations that I'm having with some really amazing guests, go check out quantum coffee. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this podcast with Justin. Justin, what's up, brother? How you doing? Excellent, Joe. How are you? I'm so good. I'm really excited about the opportunity to sit down with you today and dive a little bit into your own personal experience, what you're doing now, and then obviously discussing um, the athletic journey and the transition out of sports, the unique challenges that come with that, and really um, focused on normalizing that experience for other athletes. And that might be going through the process. And even if you're not an athlete, you know, I think you look out in the world collectively, and we're all going through a big shift, big transition. So you know, we all go through big transitions in our lives and um, they can be really challenging. But if we learn to navigate them and develop the proper tools, we can really, I mean, it always leads to growth, right? If you have the right type of mindset. So why don't you introduce yourself to the to listeners and then we can kind of dive into uh, your athletic journey and then how it's evolved into what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So I was, uh, I was born and raised in Canada and uh, obviously as a young kid growing up uh, in a Canadian boy, you've, you only know one thing, right? And that's, I want to be a hockey player and uh, learn to skate before you can walk. And uh, the, the ponds were something that uh, you, you'd live for. And um, as I was continuing playing up um, in age groups and stuff, I, I kind of noticed that like at 12, I was playing 14, 15 year olds. I looked at my dad after one tournament. I was like, you know what? Like, I don't stand out as much. Like what's, uh, what do I have to do? And he goes, son, talent will get you noticed, but consistency will get you paid. And forever from that moment on, I was like, okay, my goal is consistency. I just have to be the most consistent version of myself every single day. And how do I get there? And um, over the course of my time that led me to now go and, uh, uh, when kids were reading um, magazines and playing video games, I was reading exercise physiology books in medical journals. <laughs> like that was my, that was my thing at 12, 13 years old. Right. How do I become? You can to be the best. Totally. How can I get, how can I level up myself and, and 
be more consistent. And um, that led me to basically my whole understanding of strength and conditioning, nutrition, hydration, all of these things we hear about, but knowing them on a deep, deep level and ultimately uh, brought me down to the U.S. on a scholarship. Um, uh, right through that, I started to uh, get exposed to different uh, collegiate coaches uh, in the summers, going up to Quinnipiac, going to Louisville, going to all these different places that I was still training in the summer, but getting access to some of the best coaching in the world. And um, uh, as I, when I retired from uh, a brief stand as a pro career, immediately um, found my way uh, back to Louisville to get my master's degree under uh, Tina Murray, um, all focused on data and performance science. And back when I was 15, I found this metric called HRV or heart rate variability and ultimately helping us to learn what our bodies were under from a stress load standpoint and how it was adapting. And ultimately it was your energy score. And so for me, starting to still pull off that information, that was something that I wanted to learn more of and really apply it at a high level. And uh, won a couple of national championships there, uh, ended up going to Miami of Ohio, uh, being the director of performance there for the men's hockey team, uh, put 12 guys to the NHL in three years. Uh, again, had a very successful time there, a couple of frozen fours and had my first opportunity to, uh, uh, take an NHL job and worked uh, in the NHL for nine years over three different clubs, uh, Washington, Columbus, and Anaheim. And uh, everything was focused and derived on uh, science. And um, from there, took it out into the corporate setting and uh, really worked with um, uh, entrepreneurs, executives on these same types of practices that are data-driven that can really transform the way that you're able to show up and and build that consistency. Um, uh, we'll talk about the eight controllables that we really dive into, why they're the eight controllables, why they're the foundational pillars to winning consistently. And at the end of the day, knowing that they're what breeds confidence within every single winner. And you want to be around winners, winners. It goes right back to biblical times, iron sharpens iron. Um, and the more that you can be around people to challenge you and push you in that direction, but in a healthy way and understand what your game needs to be, it, you become unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to dive deeper into the, the details. Um, you've obviously been on this journey and, and, and path for a while. I mean, learning about HRV before, I mean, it's coming, becoming more mainstream. as like the metric that is really important for longevity, even and performance and health. And, um, let's take it back to, you know, when you're in college and I, you know, I find it fascinating too. And I'd love to get your perspective on this. You're obviously way ahead of the curve when it comes to performance and coaching and, um, all this stuff. And, you know, especially in the college ranks, but I, I noticed like in the NFL, you know, it's obviously depends what team you go to. And I'm, I'm not familiar with the NHL, but you know, whether the team is really focused on these kind of, you know, more um, current like science behind stuff and performance and nutrition and all these things that go into making the best athlete on the field. And some teams aren't, they're like very behind the eight ball and they're not really keeping up with it. Did you find through your own experience, um, were you kind of early bringing this work into the college ranks and then obviously moving up into the NHL? It's a great question. And the answer is yes. Um, uh, to be honest, I, a lot of people, and as I started presenting was really kind of coined me as like the trailblazer for a lot of this stuff in, in a certain way. And the resistance that you faced along the way, because 
again, you, if you want to be the best at something, you don't need to be better than anybody else. You need to be different. Mm. And that was something that I held close to my heart the entire time was that if you're so, and it goes back to the eight controllables. If you're focused on what makes you, you, and you are so dialed in and you've done your homework and you've prepared for the test, when the test comes, you're not worried about how you're going to do. You're just going and executing. And that's what I had done from the science standpoint. And people didn't understand it. It was different to them. It was foreign. What do you mean we're operating off HRV? What do you mean we're wearing these monitors all the time? What do you mean we're doing DNA tests to determine what types of foods we should be eating? What do you mean we're doing these blood markers to take a look at how we should be supplementing or where we should focus on recovery? Like this doesn't make any sense to me. We just always pushed and just pushed and just pushed. And if you don't push, you're not a winner because you don't have the ability to push through any adversity. But actually, conversely, if we can gauge how our body's handling the stress, both physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional that we're going through in any given point in time and can go between overreaching and regeneration, we can operate in this ultimate space that's building ultimate capacity and further resiliency that will allow us to do so much more than we've ever thought possible. And getting to that point was continual beatdowns from GMs, coaches, uh, players were a little bit more open to it because it was a new, they were always looking for, Hey, like, why are we doing this? And you obviously build that relationship with them, but the leaders of the organizations, the teams you were on were very um, afraid of it in early years. Like this is 2012, 2013 that I started to implement some of this stuff where, Hey, you know what, if you're not squatting 350, uh, in, in a one RM in, and that's your fitness testing. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm just like, let, there's a better way to do things here. Like, let's, yeah. let's take a look at some, some of this, some of these items that can give you a better chance to win games at the end of the year. Mm, yeah. It's, it's the old thing, uh, work smarter, not harder. Right. And it's like this old, the old way of like coaching is like, go in, in the football analogies, like go do two a days, put the pads on hit. They need to, we need to tough them up. But I mean, the physical body and obviously the mental capacity being able to show up and perform is, is the key. Like it's, it's what you're being paid for is to be in your best, uh, best shape on game time. And so it's just like old beat them down, get them ready. But you're talking more like, Hey, how can we be in our optimal shape at all times through all these different modalities and tools that we use? Um, how did the, the, the kind of work you're doing now evolve at, with the work that you're doing with the players? Did you kind of have it figured out or has there been like kind of steps towards kind of getting this, this package that you have now that, you know, works? I mean, it's just like we say to players all the time or companies all the time is if you're not growing, you're dying. And so, uh, I I'm growing every single day. I'm learning new things every single day. I'm going to be exposed to new things every day, trial, tribulation, uh, learning that this doesn't work or, Hey, there's a better way to do this or tweaking this, or I can get rid of this metric and drive this one. This, this influences this so forth and so on. And at the beginning, um, when I first started, uh, with a lot of this stuff, 
it was, it was a lot, like it was really cumbersome. I was looking at every data point you could ever imagine, like how many strides did the guy take with his left foot versus his right foot? Um, how many stops and starts did he have left versus right? Uh, how many con- body contacts did he have in a game? Um, what was the time in different heart rate zones? What was the time in different uh, distance zones, speed zones, you name it. Like it would take me a good solid two to three hours um, to go through game data after watching the game, like I'd watch the game, I'd see it. Then I'd take that information. I'd replay it, replay it and relay it over top of the game film while looking at the data. I'd dive into certain guys shifts and break them all down just to know, Hey, where do we ultimately go? And then correlate that back to the HRV data in the morning. And so it wasn't like boom overnight. It's, it's perfect. It was, it took a lot of, um, time. It took a lot of, uh, analysis and, and, and truly understanding. And, uh, if you go back to like Tim Ferriss's tool of Titans, um, the big commonality that every single one of those people had was they were willing to experiment on themselves. They were willing to try new things. They were willing to dive in and say, Hey, how does this work for me? And that's what I ended up doing for, um, not only myself, but the 26 guys that I was working with on any given team. And now the 2,600 clients that we have every single day is continually being dialed into those people so that we can start moving forward in that right direction and give better guidance and and more enhancement to what we're trying to do at the end of the day, which is, which is get those wins. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's talk more about your experience in the NHL um, and with the players specifically and, you know, your experience, uh, working with them. And, you know, obviously this podcast revolves around, you know, life beyond the game and, 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 you know, there's more to the athlete than just the sport that he's playing. Right. And the, the, what was your experience with, you know, you're you're so data driven and, and performance and getting the guys in, you know, the best possible place for them to perform. Um, what was your experience working with the players on, on a deeper level, um, a personal level and how they showed up? And then, you know, eventually as they kind of navigated their careers and the challenges they faced and then, you know, moving on from the game as well. I think that's why I loved my position so much is because you had the ability to really get to know the player. You had the ability to really get to know them as a person and to understand the struggles that they had, because just through the metric of HRV physical is just 20, 25% of what it's measuring. It's also looking at the mental, spiritual, and emotional stress that somebody's under on a given basis. So a player has a conflict with their spouse. They've got a conflict with their family member. They um, are dealing with the pressures of being traded. They're dealing with the pressures of not performing. They're dealing with the pressures of uh, being away from their family. They're, they've got a death in the family, whatever it may be, mm. it shows up. And it shows up in the tracking and the information that you're looking at. So you can't just say, oh, hey, what's wrong with you? We had the day off yesterday and you came back worse today. Like what was going on? But you start to have this level of empathy. You start to have this level of compassion that you can treat them with. And I was blessed with the ability to be able to come to them outside of the business, outside of the business of sport not seeing them just as a number or as a cap hit or as a, uh, uh, as a number of goals scored, but as a person. And when you're able to show up that way, you build this trust in this relationship that you could literally tell them to do whatever you wanted. 
and they'd bend over backwards to do it because their their goal was to play longer. Their goal was to win. Their goal was to uh, to be great. And they're willing to put in the work if they know. And again, it goes back to the age old age old adage of they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But being able to truly show up for them and teach them what it meant to win, teach what it meant to be sustainable, teach what it meant to be not just here today, but knowing that whether you win tonight or whether you don't, we both show up at the same playing platform the next day on the same level. And that's where those eight controllables came back in is if we focus on these eight, whether you need to be a better father, whether you need to be a better husband, whether you need to be a better brother, whether you need to be a better um, uh, hockey player, these things all are the prerequisite. They're the ticket to the game. They're the ticket to even show up. And sometimes you're right. There's going to be people who snuck their way into the game, who shouldn't be there. There's going to be people who got lucky and just navigated their way, but they won't be here tomorrow. They won't be here a week, a month, a year, 10 years from now. But if you want to have the staying power, you want to be that guy that's here long-term, these are the prerequisites that are needed because it's not just for today, but it's building this lifestyle and building this concept of how do we make this happen for you long-term? Yeah. Do you mind going over those eight controllables just so the listeners can kind of get a, get a, get a grasp of uh, what you're talking about maybe they can apply it to their own lives? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of what we start talking about are these eight controllables that truly impact HRV, the biggest influencers of HRV. If we look up any guide, on um online and it's going to say oh hrv is very individualized it, it completely depends on your genes and all and it is it's very variable based upon certain things in which uh are happening in your lifestyle that's true but there's some key variables that you can control and key variables that you can come back to with habits so that you can optimize the way in which you're able to show up and those are sleep movement and exercise nutrition hydration self-care immune function, environment, and mindset. And all of these start to co-infactor with one each other because, again, remember, HRV is a measure of mental, physical, spiritual, emotional stress. And there's not just one thing. You can't just say, hey, how did that workout impact you? You're looking at one-tenth, one-one-hundredth of the factors that are actually going on and influencing HRV and energy and your overall well-being. But if you start to look at all of those other eight, that then becomes your ticket. If you look at me and you're like, Justin, I got my seven and a half hours of sleep last night. I was in bed at my same consistent hour. I was up naturally. I got my movement in 90 every 120 minutes. I got up, moved around. I got 45 minutes of hard exercise in this morning. I ate whole foods all day. I got my three meals in. I had fruits as my snack. I drank half my body weight in ounces. I meditated for 15 minutes midday. I did my breath work before I went to bed. I took my supplements in the morning. I had positive people around me. I really listened to positive music. I had um, some great guests on and uh, I was in a safe space all day. And guess what? I took a moment to reflect on myself and journal. There is no way there's no way that you don't feel good day after day after day after day. Mm. And that no matter what you're doing, you are building capacity, you're building resiliency to handle more. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that 
you don't start exercising at a higher rate. If you want to run a marathon, you've got to run five miles and then you got to run seven and then you got to run 11 and then you got to run three and then you got to run 11, then you got to run 14 and then you got to run two. And then you, you start to cycle back and forth. It's that same concept of overreaching, challenging, going to depths that you've never gone before, overstressing yourself, but then coming back to that regeneration space and you push hard and you rest hard. And it's this concept of no longer managing time but managing energy. And when we manage energy, time becomes non-existent. We all have the same 24 hours in the day. We're trying to box something in that's finite. No matter how good this podcast is, an hour will have gone by. Mm. No matter how bad this podcast is and how badly I blow it, an hour will still go by. But if I bring the energy, you bring the energy, we feel good about this. It's a positive thing for both of us. We're going to leave here. doesn't matter how long that was because the rest of our day, it's going to help carry us through. Mm. And it's the same concept. Elon Musk, uh, Oprah, um, they all have 24 hours in a day. We all have 24 hours in a day. How can somebody get more done in 24 hours than, than somebody else? It's because they've managed their energy differently. And when we switch that concept, we switch that curve, we switch the way we think about it and we create a, we create a solution to it and a strategy to it, a system to it. Now we can just repeat it over and over and over and over again. And if we show up in the morning, our HRV is down, we go, man, why didn't that work? You know what? I stayed up a little later than I should have. I got in an argument with my spouse before bed, but my workout was extremely hard yesterday. You know what? Today, I should focus a little bit more on gratitude. I should get myself a couple minutes more to myself, maybe a little bit more alone time, reflective time, a little bit more restorative for myself so that I can optimize myself for the next day. Mm. And just because your HRV is low doesn't mean that it's terrible. But what it stops, but what it gives you this is gives you this pattern interrupt instead of just staying in the same thing and over and over and over and over again and seeing it continually decline and staying low. And all of a sudden you've been there for two weeks and you're like, why am I exhausted? Why can't I perform? Why can't I do anything? There's this pattern interrupt that we can say, Hey, timeout. What can I now operate into? And we go forward. And it's very much the, the basis to anything in which you're going into. Like I said, it's your ticket to the game. And that next bar up that next level on that pyramid is ultimately that priority ID is when we prioritize what we want when we get clear on what we want, is it you want to build a $10 million business? Is that you want to build um, a family? Is you want to build a real estate empire? Is it you want to be a better NFL player and a better NHL player? You have to realize that that's going to come with some level of sacrifice, but the ticket to make that choice, the ticket to even choose that starts with the eight controllables at the bottom. And that's, what's going to allow us to build confidence and confidence is that over consuming drug that just allows us to make choices that are going to give us the purpose to win later on. Yeah. I love that, man. And you described the perfect kind of day earlier. Like how can you have a bad day if you did all these things? And there's a lot there, right? And it, it does come back because, you know, I'm very passionate about this. Obviously you're very passionate about this, but this is the, 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 the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, right? There's so much that goes into feeling your best, finding that balance, working smarter, not harder, showing up and having this self-awareness of why, maybe you're not reaching your goals or, or going after the thing that you want or your life's not the way. And it's, it really comes back to, are you the creator of your reality or are you the victim of your circumstance? And it, 
it takes the external circumstances and creates an internal responsibility to show up and have a self-awareness of how you're doing, how you're showing up with all these things, right? It's not just showing up and moving, working out, eating well. It's having a gratitude practice, journaling, meditating, finding stillness. And I think that's so important to bring all of these things into the total body wellness of what it means. And, you know, even the, the spiritual is such a big piece of that because it is this internal journey. And I want to kind of transition into, you know, you talk about obviously you worked with players as they were playing. And then now, you know, I want to get more into what you're doing now with, with the corporate world, but what advice would you give? Cause it's such a, a, you know, a fall from grace playing at such a high pinnacle of success, especially in our culture and society, playing professional sports and, you know, developing these tools and practices to, to be the best you can, the best athlete you can. And all of a sudden when that's all gone and over, there's, you know, a sort of an ego death, right? An internal identity shift that needs to take place that is almost forced upon you, which if you really can frame it in a way as a beautiful opportunity to ask these deeper questions of who am I in the world, in the world without this thing that I've spent my entire life pursuing greatness at, how do they, you know, implement these eight controllables into helping them navigate the transition? And what has that been like in your experience with these players? Cause it's, there's just so many challenges and trying to you know, help guide the players through it. There's this, it's hard to get them to, you know, have that, that deeper purpose, that meaning that get up out of the bed in the morning to, to have something to work towards. And they really have to reshape their, their internal landscape and their mindset. And it, it, I found, and I've worked with a lot of athletes, especially through the heart collective and growing this community is it is so challenging. So what would you offer for an athlete that is maybe going through that transition process? It doesn't even have to be pro. I mean, every athlete at some point, I know you probably went through this, you, you have to face, this transition and it, it can be challenging. So before I go and start just spewing advice and telling people what to do, I want to get, I want to give a couple of stories and a little context here. So you're right. I, I've had to do this a couple of times in my life. So once as a player, um, which to be honest, was a little bit easier because I, I, I chose um, on my own terms to, to move on to something else. And I already really knew what my next thing was. I, I had that passion since I was 12, 13 years old, that story that I started with of, Hey, this, these are the numbers. I, I can, I knew it through the course of my college career. I was, like I said, it's getting exposed to these different coaches, networking, trying to figure out what my next thing was. I wanted to give pro hockey a quick go. And, you know, I was, I loved it, but Hey, I'm on to something else. I'm, I'm more passionate about this now. But the one that was the hardest where I was really lost for a little bit was, um, was when I was fired in Anaheim. And, um, for me, it was, it, it became, the, the firing was a, was almost a choice to, to, at a certain extent where I was forced to choose whether I was going to side with a team or the players, um, uh, my, my values were challenged a little bit. My moral compass was challenged and I chose to stay steadfast rather than to manipulate and, and it cost me my job. And at that point, because of the stance I took, um, it was, and, and it was over CBD, to be honest with you. Um, there, there was players that I, over the course of my nine year career in the NHL, I took eight guys to rehab personally. Um, and, uh, seeing the guys continually being shot up with Tordal, continually being used with um, these painkillers and opiates and um, going through my own opiate addiction. Uh, it was something that I just wasn't willing to stand for. I wasn't okay with not exploring or educating people 
and players on, uh, on their own choices. Choose, you make the choice, but know that there's another choice out there. And um, the fact that I didn't just stay in my lane, didn't just do what was the norm, uh, it, it cost my job. And very quickly, um, everything that I had known for the last 33 years, hockey, hockey, hockey was now gone. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does that mean I still work with guys one-on-one? No, of course, there's even more now than, than before. But your every day, what it is you do, who you're involved with, the dressing room, the locker room, the brotherhood, everything that kind of exists there is was gone. And that's a very similar feeling to being a player. And now your contract doesn't get renewed and now you're done. You can kind of see the horizon at the end of the tunnel, but you don't want to go through it. Or you get a season or a career ending injury or um, you, you actually do retire and that time just came. Whether whatever it may be, you have to cross that threshold at some point. But what it comes back to, and this is why, again, these foundational pillars were so key, is the thing that kept me sane through that whole thing were those eight controllables, focusing on my sleep, focusing on my nutrition, all of these things, uh, my, my mindset, my environment I was around, um, the, the immune function, the self-care, those things that... Again, that I focused on as a player, I focused on as a coach, and then I was focusing on when I didn't know what I was. And those stay foundational and pillar to what's next because that I talked about it. The, 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 the piece that comes right after that is priority identification. And you can't force priority identification. You can't force that. That's something that's learned. That's something that after you lose that identity, you feel a blow. It's okay. It's okay to take that loss. It's okay to feel that. But the only thing we don't do is we don't make decisions there. Mm. And your eight controllables become what is the grounding factor of what you're doing. They are what keep you afloat. They're what, again, like I said, it's the ticket to that priority ID. And if you are not looking after those, what right do you have to go and say, I'm going to go do this now, or this is what I want to do. You're not going to have that clarity of mind. You're not going to have that growth. You're not going to have that solid foundation and that confidence, most importantly, to step into what that next thing is powerfully. You're going to have that doubt. You're going to have that regret. You're going to have that questioning of yourself and you can't win there. So living in those eight controllables, getting so clear on what you need to do for yourself Dialing in each one of those through whether it's the biomarkers, whether it's through the DNA, whether it's through all of these other factors that we can continue to level those eight controllables up, but figuring out what matters for you and focusing on you, it gives you the privilege, gives you the right, gives you the entrance to start exploring what that next priority is. What do I feel so passionate about and feeling free to explore it? feeling free to say, is it real estate? Is it serving people? Is it going away and traveling? Is it being on a mission? Is it going and um, uh, building a great family? Is it going and uh, getting into the financial realm? Is it going and starting my own business and uh, becoming an entrepreneur? What is that? Mm. And when you figure out what it is, that's when you can move to the next step, the next step, the next step. And guess what? 
Those wins I talk about, we all have wins all the time. That's why those eight controllables are so key. Because even if you're down in the dumps, even if you've taken that loss and you feel like shit, you wake up on time in the morning, that's a win, baby. That gives confidence. You get that workout done, that's a win. You hydrate for the day, that's a win. You're around quality people, that's a win. You have a bed to sleep in, that's a win. And you start chalking up all these wins every single day, even though they're just what you did routinely when you were playing, when you were a coach, when you were whatever, they now propel you and give you that, hey, I got my ticket here. I'm ready to chalk up. Here's my priority ID and away we go. Mm, Yeah, it's beautiful, man. I really appreciate you sharing, um, you know, your own journey of the challenge because no matter how many tools you have, no matter how centered you are, no matter how you show it, like it, it is a challenge and it's okay, right? It's okay. I think there's a missing piece too of like actually creating a, almost like a, a ritual process of, you know, grieving and honoring the career, the past self and being able to, to really let go of it in a way so that you can move forward. And I think it's so important. We said like having these, these tools to fall back on, right? You don't know what to do with yourself, like show up and start building momentum. That's why I, I always talk about a morning routine, right? Like when you wake up and you have you know, a self-care practice, you, you get up early, you do a movement practice, you get outside, get some sunlight, get a good meal. Like if you do all that before noon, like you have a momentum rolling the rest of the day is kind of gravy. And I think it's so much easier to kind of start implementing those tools, even though you might not have the big picture figured out because you're kind of trying to, to hang on to like, who am I without this thing? And it, it is a process, right? And I think, you know, for my, my journey, I'm realizing it's not just, you know, something that, you get over, right? Like a year, two year, and all of a sudden it's done. It's like, how do I integrate this into who I am, the things I've learned from my playing career and, you know, leaning back on the foundational um, things like you talked about. Right. And I want to dive into, you know, the, the, the spiritual part of it. You talked a little bit about it during, during the podcast. And I think um, the beautiful part for me personally, and I think going through a big transition, although it's so challenging, it, it does force us to ask these bigger questions of like, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? How can I show up? How can I find fulfillment? And, you know, I think part of the problem, not just with athletes, but really anybody, you know, in our collective, in our society is, is we get lost in the image of what success looks like. I need to make a lot of money. I need to have this, this, this high paying job. I need to have the family. Like everything needs to be this story that we've been told and programmed into when it's really, what I'm realizing is purpose is kind of this fluid process. Like how can I show up and have the best day possible by doing the internal work and that all that other kind of stuff will take care of itself almost when you really focus on the thing that matters, which is, you know, your, your inner fulfillment, your, your building momentum throughout the day, you're feeling good in your body, you're moving, you're eating right. And it's almost when you do that stuff, those are the spiritual practices to feel good energetically. And that the rest of that stuff will kind of almost take care of itself. Can you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll go back even to what you said initially there was where you have these things, these foundational things in which you can sit on. Now that doesn't mean that that's all of a sudden that your, your purpose is going to come and whack you in the face. Hmm. You need to work for it. And that's why being able to look at what your priority ideas, whatever you, pri- whatever you figure out that to be, you have to ask yourself a question. Are you willing to pay the price of what it takes to get there? You've done it before. You know what the price is to be a professional athlete. You know what the price is in order to get there. And you had to sacrifice a lot to do it. 
You don't think that Elon Musk, you don't think that Oprah, you don't think that the uh, real estate guy, the, the local real estate empire guy in your local town, city, wherever you are, didn't pay a price to be where they are. 100% they did. They paid the same price you did, but in a different way because their priority was different. And so even as you're doing things and you're trying to figure out what that priority is, you still have to go and extend yourself in certain ways. Cause I talked about the overreaching and the regeneration. If you're only in that regeneration space, you're going to get lost. Mm. You're going to just find yourself wanderingly aimlessly go back to that Proverbs 27, 17 as iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. And so continuing to be out and around people that are, that you're getting uncomfortable with, you're going and overreaching in different places. You're going and learning new things. You're getting exposed to new things. New exposures create new thoughts in which new thoughts can create new results, new actions. And so with that, going back to what you talked about and coming back to finding what is truly valuable to you, it goes back to how that decision I made. The only reason I was able to make that decision in the NHL of what felt good to me was because I was so dialed into what my values were, so dialed into what my purpose was, and so dialed in to what my non-negotiables were. And if you haven't done that work spiritually, if you haven't done that work from a purpose-driven side, how would you ever make a decision? It's no wonder you're continually conflicted with, is this right or is this right? Or does this feel good or does that feel good? And I always say, you have to make sure you make decisions with your mind and not your emotions. Think about the last time you made a decision with your emotions, when something was placed on you, whether it was to end a relationship or end a career or uh, end a job or fire somebody or hire somebody. I'll give you an example. We hired somebody because we liked them. We hired somebody because you know what? They feel really good. A month later, we had to put them in a position that we didn't hire them for because they just didn't fit the mold. We hired on emotion rather than hiring with what we knew was right. Your mind will always tell you the right thing to do. But the only way your mind knows what the right thing to do is, is if you are sound and solid in your values, your morals, and your non-negotiables. And those become so clear, so clear. If I all of a sudden sit here and say to you, hey, my family is the number one most important thing to me. It's the thing I value most in this world. The second thing I value most is my health. The third thing I value most in this world is traveling, new experiences. Great. Those are my three things. Well, if someone comes up to me and says, Justin, I'm going to give you $100 million, but you can only ever stay in the state of Florida and you... Um, can't go inside a gym for the rest of your life. It's a hundred million bucks, but it goes against every single value that I have. The answer is probably going to be no. But if all of a sudden I'm not dialed into any of those, I'm going to take the hundred million and a year, two, three, four years into it. I'm like, God, I can't take this anymore. But if I value staying at home, I value my community, I value where I am, um, my family doesn't value traveling, they love where they are, you just can be here forever, I mean, then the decision becomes a no-brainer. And that's what I'm saying. If you are so dialed into your values, your non-negotiables, and what you ultimately want to accomplish, and, they, and, you're, and you've explored that spiritually, 
you're going to be able to identify what that purpose ID is a lot heavier as well. And anything that's thrown your way, the decision becomes a lot easier. The choice becomes a lot easier. There's no longer any hard decisions. It might be hard emotionally, but because your mind is stronger than your emotions, you will win every single day. And you'll be able to put your head on your pillow, feel good at night, wake up the next morning and be able to know that you've done what is right, but more importantly, what is right for you. And if I win and the way that we show up, if I win, my family wins. If my family wins, those people around my family win. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really, um, really beautiful, man. I really appreciate you sharing. I love that story that, you know, that it's such a good exercise to go to. Like, what if you had all the money in the world, right? A hundred million dollars, but you weren't able to live the life that you want. And I think you look out in our society and that, that story that the money is the value for most people until they get to a point where they make enough money and realize, well, I'm still not happy. I'm still not fulfilled. Why is this? Because there's so much more to life, right? And it is an internal journey. Like you're talking about that, that spiritual journey, like you have to know who you are. And if you keep reaching for these external things that you think you're going to find happiness in, they're, they're really kind of fleeting and there's always more money to be had, more stuff, but it's like, what do you really want to experience in this life? And I think as an athlete moving through that, it's a beautiful opportunity because you, you now have the freedom to really discover that and explore that. And, you know, for me, I'm very blessed and grateful that I was able to make a lot of money at a young age and got to a point where I remember thinking to myself, like I was making, I think at my, at my pinnacle, I was making like four and a half million, uh, one year. And I remember looking over at the guy in the locker room that was playing, you know, next to me and he was making like $10 million a year. And I'm like, ah, oh, he's not that much better than me. Like I need to continue to make more. And I, I, I like kind of woke up and I was like, Holy shit. If I, you know, myself five years ago when I was in college, like making four and a half million dollars a year, like I'd be so satisfied, but it's this, it's this, this rat race, right? Like that's what it is. And so it's really about getting clear on who you are and what you want to experience in this life and, and realizing that it's a finite experience, right? And if, if making money is your, is your value and you want to make more of it, I think most people get to a point where there's so much more to life than that. And I'm not saying it's like making money is a bad thing. Like I want to make a ton more money in my life, but it's doing it from a place of not needing it to fill my soul, but rather me showing up and being rewarded energetically for the energy that I'm bringing out into the world. And I love what you said too, is like, you know, there's this, there's this sort of going from the pinnacle of being a pro athlete and there's this humility that has to take place, right? Like being the best in the world at what you do and then kind of having to take a few steps down to kind of start over. And, you know, like you, you had this, this focus and this drive and you're continuing to learn at such a young age, but most guys don't really necessarily have that backup plan. They're like, what do I do? And it's like, well, what, what, what do you want to try? Like you have to just try different things, go make mistakes, get outside your comfort zone. I talk about that all the time. Like that's so huge, right? You can't just sit there and expect miracles to happen. You got to go figure out what you're made of and go get outside your comfort zone and continue to learn. I think that's all a huge part of this journey. And let's go back to your journey. When you, you left the challenging, you know, getting fired and, and I'm really, I really respect you for, for, you know, standing up for your values. And I, I know being in professional sports, there's a lot of politics that go in a lot of shit that trickles downhill and a lot of times it's, it's not about the player's best interest. It's about the team and the brand and the money they're making. And we're just a product, a commodity that's going out there and performing. And as, as soon as you're not performing the best, we'll just replace you. And that's another story that's really hard for athletes to navigate. 
So how did you navigate that? And then finally, you know, get to a spot where you're, what you're doing now. Um, and how did that kind of find you or, or was that something that you wanted to pursue right away? And, and how long did that take to kind of find what you're doing now? And then we can kind of discuss um, the work that you're doing specifically with um, kind of the, the corporate world and, and, and more people and being able to scale it really. So it's a great question because it goes back to what I spoke about previously was I didn't know what my, I didn't know what own it was going to become. I didn't even know it was going to be called to own it when that happened, but I knew that I was meant for more. I knew I was meant to do more. And you talk about this, this getting to the pinnacle and having this lack of fulfillment. I, I, I was questioning what I was doing in the NHL for three years where I was like, yeah, I, as a, as a 15 year old kid, man, if I could wear that NHL logo every single day, my life would be complete. I'd never need anything else again. All of a sudden you have it. And it's like day in, day out, day in, day out. It's like, man, like, is this it? And that's because for me, what I didn't learn and what I wish somebody would have told me is there is no finish line. Hmm. There is no finish line. There's always something more. There's always something more. There's always another win. There's always another success. There's always another barrier. There's always another point to get to. And every single day, we all start back at the same spot. And if you're not looking after those controllables, you don't have the ticket to continue to keep going. You don't have the ticket. You don't have the right. You haven't earned the prerequisite to step up, to step up continually. And so to that question is, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what it was going to become. I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to help people on a massive scale. I knew I wanted to have an impact. I knew I wanted to change the world in a unique way, but I didn't know how to do it. But I kept focused on my eight controllables. I stuck to my non-negotiables. I stuck to what I knew I needed to do. And then I started to get out of my comfort zone. I started to network. I started to go and present at conferences. I started to go and reach out to people that uh, were in unique places. I had fortunate enough. I had written three best-selling books during my time in the NHL. And uh, one of the uh, executives at a, a large fortune 500 company um, had gotten exposed to it. And they said, Hey, would you come and present at our national conference? I said, sure. Uh, or at our annual conference, pardon me. I said, sure. I presented and they felt great. Well, lo and behold, the only reason I was able to present at that conference was because the person that they had had there got sick and they told me three days before it was, well, guess what would have happened had I not been prepared? Had I not stuck to the eight controllables? Had I taken the previous nine months between me getting fired and me going presenting here for those nine months, I had been just dogging it and feeling sorry for myself and laying on the couch, watching friends reruns over and over and over again, what would have happened? I would have shown up there and I wouldn't have been able to perform and do what I did. But instead I focused on what I needed to, and I was able to get back in the saddle and I was able to perform. If we prepare to perform when performance times comes, we no longer need to prepare because we can just keep going. And the last quote I'll kind of give you here is the win or the destination is the win. That's what we're looking at. The destination is the win, but the win is not the destination because there's another one after that and another one after that and another one after that. And so being able to be clear on that and, uh, and staying true to what I was 
And getting that opportunity, it allowed me to then show up, have a great impact. From there, get asked, hey, would you consult with us for the year? I said, sure. From there, part of the executive team moved to another company. They asked if I would work with them as well. All of a sudden, lo and behold, I'm like, man, this could be a business. And two and a half years later, we've got... Uh, but 150 companies working with us. We uh, are in the middle of an app development and uh, two of the biggest wearable tech, wearable tech companies um, uh, are, are looking at uh, acquiring us in some way, shape or form. So it's, it's in a, a way that I would have never thought possible, but again, you pay your dues every single day with what is necessary. You have that win in mind, but you're looking after the little wins along the way, because again, the destination is the win, but the win is not that destination. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's being prepared for the opportunity. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a a huge thing when you're actually playing, right? Like if you're a backup and, and that one guy in front of you gets hurt, you have to be prepared to go in there and take advantage of that opportunity. And it's the same thing. Like you don't have to necessarily going through this transition, figure out like, you know, the practice is not like, okay, what do I need to do with my life? It's showing up and being the best and continuing to grow and get outside your comfort zone, try new things in the day. And like we talked about earlier, that that opportunity will present itself. And if it feels right, like, wow, this is, this could be something, maybe I'll, I'll continue to pursue this path. And it's, it's as long as you're showing up and doing the work, like it will find you, you will figure it out because it's really all that internal journey. And when you show up and get your energy right, then the world will use you in the way that you're being called to, but it's all about finding that centeredness and that balance and showing up and doing the work and building that momentum. I really love that, man. Uh, I know we're coming up on the hour. Uh, I really appreciate you, um, you know, taking the time to sit down with us and, and share your, your wisdom. Um, I'll give you an opportunity to kind of plug what you're working on, talk about the company where people can find you and uh, maybe share your books or social medias, anything that you're working on now. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got, uh, we're doing some really cool work, um, opened up a couple different platforms in which people work with us one-on-one uh, with members of our teams, uh, small group settings. Uh, we've got corporate offerings in which we come in and work with corporate teams. Um, and then obviously events, uh, the teams will hire us to come in and, uh, and really do what we do in, uh, in that nature as well. So that's the, that's kind of the ways in which people engage with us and, uh, what we do for, for all your audience, again, really kind of coming back to HRV. What is it? How do I use it? You can go to master in six minutes.com, uh, master in the number six minutes.com. And, uh, really it just gives you guys a full, um, plethora of information on what the A controllables are, what HRV is, how do you measure it? What do you look for? What impacts it? How does it impact you and your long-term performance? And um, uh, again, you can get more information at justownit.co um, on, on us and kind of what we're doing, but uh, it's it's all about being able to show up and have those consistent wins along the way. Uh, because again, that's your ticket. That's your ticket to the game. And we all know that if you don't have a ticket to the game, there's no way you're getting in consistently. What gets measured gets managed and talent gets noticed, but consistency gets you paid. And the only way to get consistent is by showing up every day. Beautiful. I love it, brother. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to, to continue the conversation and continue the connection with you, man. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure.
Awesome, Joe. I appreciate the, uh, the friendship and the platform here. All right. Thank you, Justin, for showing up, for sharing so much value and wisdom and experience. Um, if you want to get connected with, uh, Justin, what he's working on, all that stuff will be in the show notes. Um, make sure if you enjoy this podcast, um, a great way to support it is to just take a few minutes, uh, go to wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a five-star review, a few nice words of, uh, what you think of the podcast. And if something in this podcast resonated with you, make sure to share it with somebody that you think would get some value out of it. Uh, and I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me on Instagram, um, respond to my newsletter, um, all these different ways that I'm providing content. Just reach out to me. I would love to continue to figure out how to provide more value to all of you. Thank you guys so much for the support till next time. Peace.